Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Covfefe Live Daily Covfefe on Unsafe Space. Finally working. Um, some days carries late. Some days I have tech problems. Anyway, today is Friday, January 31st. I'm sorry, we're, what, 15 minutes late. Uh, I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, this time, not her fault we're late at all, so don't blame Carrie. The bad mamma jamma, Carrie Smith. Oh, and she's the one you're looking at anyway, because I didn't change the camera angle, so screw me. I'm talking. That's Carrie's face you're looking at. I'm over here. It's a in- cluster F today on my end. There's Carrie. Oh, my God. What a mess. What a this freaking is, mess. This is like that day I when... Just, uh, I, no, wait, I want to say wait. something to Carrie. Yeah. Bad UI designers should literally be taken out to the barn and shot. I can't... I. It's like I can't stand bad UI. I couldn't figure out how to change the stream key on Ecamm. The stream key got changed on YouTube's end, and like I know what to do. I just I went through all the settings. I could not find how to update the stream key. It took me 15 minutes like a moron. I'm sorry. And whoever designed it just needs to be fired. Okay, can I say something now? That's the mood I'm in to start okay, the show. Okay, well, here's the mood I'm in. You have the camera on me while I'm eating beef pieces and picking them out of my teeth. Okay. <laughs> Did I really? I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, sorry, everyone. This is this is what you get with us, I guess. I don't know what the hell's going on. This is why we need a producer, probably. Um, what a mess. Uh, it's fine. A- it's fine. <laughs> uh, so, welcome, guys. Carlin- Thank you for being patient. <laughs> Dr. Carlin points out, even when it's not my fault, it is my fault because I'm the male. Um, yeah. And the only problem I have with that totally agree with his sentiment but you're assuming my gender so okay also um i just want to say let's just take a deep breath carter welcome to daily Cafefe, guys this is a show that we do live on mondays and fridays um it's pre-recorded the rest of the week and you're right Thank I, was God. On time. I was on time today <laughs> and uh what's funny is about an hour ago i text an hour and a half ago or something i texted carter and said hey what time should we record Cafefe today how about one thirty? And he was like, no, it's live at 1. <laughs> <laughs> like on every Friday now, I'm like, oh, yeah, forgot. I'm glad I checked I kind of don't want to tell people how often that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it's Friday because I work Saturdays too. So Fridays to me don't feel like Fridays. But um, uh, anyway, welcome. And if you guys, um, if it's your first time here, we're not always this late. We don't always have tech problems. We hope that you'll give us another shot. Uh, Sunday, if you want to join us, we're doing a live uh, book club discussion where we've been reading this month uh, Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, and that's going to be on Sunday at 7 o'clock Central Time live. Uh, if you want to be on in the video chat, uh, email carter at speak at unsafespace.com, and you don't have to be in the video chat. You can just be in the chat chat. Um, yep. Okay. There we and go. Uh, you still have time to read it. It's a short book. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say, in my head, I, I had an idea for how the intro to the show would go, which is slightly different and mm-hmm. 15 minutes prior. Um, I did have a version of the looping video with new music from one of our listeners, Low Res Boy, uh, donated a track. So next, you'll hear that on Monday. Um, but we got rid of the portal music even though being the nerd <laughs> i am i really do like the portal music so i'm just laughing because ninja kitty says 
this is a typical opening in one of the reasons I keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey now, Ninja Kitty. <laughs> also, uh, quick, we're not going to talk about knitting every episode. I promise Carter. I'm kidding. But I will say one thing about knitting. Knit Fragility says, by the way, uh, didn't read the book club yet because I've been so busy reading Dr. Carlin's IG comments and the comments by Nicole of the Mountain People. Man, I love you guys. And I just want to say I love you guys, too. It's really cool. I love reading all the comments. And I like uh, keeping up with people on Instagram and seeing what stuff they're knitting and what they're up to. It's fun. So... I did I did like Nicole of the Mountain People until she texted me indicating that apparently we are nemeses because we're both your Dorothy. I'm not sure oh. exactly what that means. But <laughs> uh, so now there's a battle over who, who gets to be You're Dorothy. the Dorothy to my rose, Carter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. By the way, I never I don't think we should ever speak of that show again. Okay. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? We could talk we could talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh our tech problems was not my main issue. Uh, I, I don't know, Carrie. I, there's a lot. There's a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. Did you see that? Um, did you see that KT Hopkins was suspended from Twitter recently? I briefly. I just saw one passing thing about it. I didn't read any articles about it yet. But yeah, Katie Hopkins. She's British, right? And uh, a wrong thinker. She conservative. I assume she's conservative. She's a wrong thinker, and she's pretty harsh on Islam. Um, which I think is the main reason she was banned. Um, but yeah, here I can, maybe I, I don't even know if this, uh, nothing works. So who knows? I'm going to, I'll Just try read this. it. Uh, I, well, here's, here's an offensive quote, offensive tweet we've got here. Let's, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll just read it and we'll deal with it. Nope. It's black screen. All right. That's the day. Um, she says, if you follow a religion where your imaginary prophet is a pedophile, I suspect you think it's okay to rape young white girls too. Bastards. Now, uh, is that anti-Islam? Yes, it is. But uh, you should be allowed to say that. It doesn't matter. Somebody in the chat says she's awful, and I don't know if she is or not, but the point is you you should be able to say awful things and to be awful. As Carter's pointed out, we follow a lot of awful people on Twitter, <laughs> a lot of the awful people on the left don't get banned, though, for their awfulness. Their awfulness is fine. Right. You know, she should be able to say that. Yeah. And, you know, it. it um, the thing that bothers me is it's this sacred cow crap. And I was thinking about this, Carrie. Um, <clears throat> so let's just take that tweet. If you follow a religion where your imaginary prophet is a pedophile, I suspect you think it's okay to rape young white girls too. Bastards. Okay, so what's she doing? She is claiming that um, the, the prophet is imaginary. Okay, well, she's not... I mean, that's a normal claim for anyone who's not of that religion. Like, if I worshipped Zeus, people would say that Zeus is imaginary, and that's the way it would be. So she's and allowed way, to have an opinion, a disagreeing yeah, and, opinion about that. And people, let me interject just to say, as you all know, people say that stuff all the time about uh, the Christian God. They, they, they make fun, you know imaginary man in the sky and absolutely yeah yeah uh, so oh by the way what? quick tangent this is a carrie got me this uh mug this is a bill of <laughs> rights mug that uh the amendments disappear when you put hot water in it so you lose your rights um <laughs> oddly enough carrie the second amendment doesn't disappear i don't know who made this mug that thought like well that one's safe but uh but other ones do the first amendment disappears which i guess is what we're talking about um Anyway, yeah, so she says, okay, she's calling the Prophet Muhammad imaginary. Fine. 
Um, she's calling him a pedophile. Well, he he is. He was. I mean, he he married a nine year old. So I don't know what you would like to call that, but that's just a fact. That's not even disputed. Uh, yeah, she so, was nine. And know, I think you, he wait, he waited until she was. Was it that he waited till she was eleven? No, he waited until she was nine to consummate to consummate to rape her. Right. I think he married her when she was six. Something oh, may, like that. maybe something like yeah. that. Regardless, underage by any standards of today. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've Gracie and I talked yesterday about how the left likes to apply current standards to past behavior and condemn people. So, uh, this is kind of a normal thing that's done to everyone else. He would, by today's standards, would be a pedophile. Yes. Um, yes. So she says, "I suspect you think it's okay to rape young white girls too." Okay, so she—that's just a dig at people who believe in Islam, like. Is it nice? No. Is it rude? Yes. Um, it's also in reaction to the fact that there have been a lot of grooming gangs in the UK that have gone unpunished precisely because the PC crowd is afraid to name them. Um, and so she's calling them bastards. So basically, she's kind of mean to some people. And it's not... So what bothers me is not that we're in this world where people are hypersensitive, like, okay, fine, there's hypersensitive people out there, and, like, they, they get all their panties in a twist that she said something mean to someone. Fine. Right? But the thing that I was thinking about, Carrie, is uh, there's all these conclusions that you are expected to believe and never question. So, like, one mm -hmm. of them is um, that, for example, Islam is is a fine alternate belief system. You're not supposed to question any of the Islamic beliefs. Um, you're not supposed to question that there's, that gender is a social construct or you're not supposed to question, for example, that there's um, no genetic uh, components of personality and IQ, right? They're not supposed to question those things. You're not supposed to question that climate change is catastrophic and imminent and we're all going to die in 20 years or whatever it is, right? Um, but the people who push back on this stuff I, I really, I think you should ask yourself a question. Why do you know that conclusion to be true? Like, do you know anything about Islam? Do you know, actually know anything about climate change or IQ science or anything? Like, you don't know. Just asking a question about something or, or I know very something. Little, Go ahead. I know, I know very little about all those subjects. <laughs> so just to answer your question. That's what we just did an interview that uh, pre Carter and I pre-recorded uh, an interview yesterday with Obeid Omer that's going to air soon. And I was, I know so little about Islam. I was totally lost at the end. I, was, I said, we should just do another. That's like a basic primer at some point because I have, you know, it's way over my head. Um, yeah. No, I, but I just don't know to much about Islam yeah. either. Right. But right. it's whenever so, anyone is trying to shut down inquiry because it it is offensive like those are authoritarians that's kind of like that's one of the pillar stones of being evil right is trying to shut down the mechanism by which people think about the world and come to the truth and conclusions and like that's inquiry and reason and shutting those down only leads to ignorance about the facts and like you can take something like global warming as an example if you're not allowed to question global warming legitimately question some of the claims by climate alarmists, well, then you're not allowed to actually know what's true or not about any of it. You're only allowed to agree with something that you're told. And 
if it's if it's legitimate, this is my big. This is actually to me one of the biggest red flags about climate change alarmism, which we haven't talked about, but I will at some point. Uh, the fact that it's treated like a religion should be a red flag to you. <laughs> like the fact that you're not allowed to ask any questions, that you're not allowed to say, well, you can't even say, is this particular solution the best idea? Well, I don't know about this climate, you know, the Paris Climate Accord. Oh, oh, you must be a denier of science. Like, that's not a science denier. That's a question about something. And all these people running around, like, they know what you're not supposed to say. And, uh, you know, forming these SJW mobs online and going after people's means of uh, a live, uh, means of living and trying to ostracize them for communities and calling them horrible, horrible names. None of those people actually know any of... None, they no. don't know... Any of these sacred cows that they hold to be true, they don't know that they're true. They don't directly know. They don't They don't do any of the research. They don't know. They have no idea. I challenge anyone who is one of the... Greta does... Greta Thunberg's entire climate change crap, she never once in any of her speeches talks about any of the science. No one ever wants to talk about the science behind anything and the actual risks and rewards that you would act, you have to weigh in order to make decisions about the climate and what to do about it. It's just a religion. And anything like that is, it's just, it's a path towards authoritarianism. It, that's what's scary about it to me. Even if they're right about some of the science, right? We can't have the conversation and that's a problem. Right. Sorry, that was a rant. I'm pissed. That's fine. I also think people, uh, because you can't have the conversation, people feel, are made to feel dumb if they don't have the answers. Do you know what I mean? Like they, like they don't want to ask questions because... You're supposed to, because it is such a religion, you're supposed to already know and agree. It, it almost it, right, it encourages. That's weird though, right? Yeah, but it, it encourages uh, a lack of curiosity and it encourages people just, like when I was in SJW, a lot of times people just pretend like they know everything. I'm not saying that's unique to my old ideology. It's just that's what I know. And in that belief system, definitely people pretend like they know everything and they yeah. speak opinions that are not theirs all the time. And but but and I think they're also even if they have questions, they're afraid to ask them. Right. And just to be clear, like I don't want this make make this episode about climate change, but a science denier is someone who uh, denies you the ability to question. Like he's, a science denier is someone who says, "No, we may not challenge the facts and have a conversation about facts and and have a reason to discussion. You must agree because." This report here is supported by 90, quote, 97% of scientists, which is bunk and a lie anyway, but whatever. Like, that's not science. That's science denying. That is religion. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. And, uh, man, boy, do they project. By the way, Blackbeard just gave us five bucks. Thank you, Blackbeard. Thank he you, says, Blackbeard. Uh, as someone who works a lot in the Middle Eastern countries, let me say they have very, quote, interesting sexual proclivities. <laughs> That you are warned about. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, Nip, I've heard that. Nip Fragility says, are we talking about climate change or trans activism? Yes, it, we could be talking about yes, either. Yes, Fragility, we are. <laughs> yes, both. Both. You're not allowed to question. Um, so I have something. Speaking of people talking about things that they know nothing about, uh, I don't know if you saw this tweet this week, but we, we do kind of odds and ends on Daily Coffee Friday. So if you have stuff you want us to mention, just throw it up in the chat. But um, this is something, speaking of Nicole, the mountain people, I saw her share this. It's a David Hogg quote. David Hogg is one of my least favorite people. Um, it's, 
it's David Hogg said, this is a tweet for the founders of the gun violence prevention movement started centuries ago by almost entirely black, brown, and and indigenous LGBTQ women and non-binary people that never got on the news or in most <laughs> or or in most history books. Are you laughing? Yes. Wait, Can we start calling wait, you Harvard? Harvard. <laughs> we may not know all your names, but thank you. <laughs> all right, Harvard. Well, let's call him Harvard Boy. Harvard Boy says, again, a tweet for the founders. By the way, from centuries ago, I'm sure they're up in heaven or wherever you think souls go after they've passed on. or may, I don't know. They're looking at your tweets, David Hogg, and they're like, yes, David Hogg did a tweet for us. If Let's say if they exist. <laughs> if they existed. This is a tweet for the founders of the gun violence prevention movement started centuries ago by almost entirely black, brown, and indigenous LGBTQ women and non-binary people that never got on the news. <laughs> the news. <laughs> wait, wait, he's the right news. about something. I he So first of all, congratulations, Harvard, for being able to pack so much wrong all into one tweet. I think that's an achievement. Um, but he is he did screw up. There's one right thing about that. Centuries ago, they weren't on the news. They were that not on true. the news. <laughs> that never got on the news or in most history books. We may not know all your names, but thank you. I love all your names. Can you name one of them, David? Can you name one? Yeah, do you have one? Boy? Well, you may not know all your names. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. You're making me cough. <laughs> I'm so laughing so hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, by the way, for those of you who don't know, uh, gun control was introduced in order to prevent blacks from being able to <clears throat> stand up for themselves. So gun control is actually quite a racist, uh, white supremacy uh, racist movement <clears throat> at its origins. Um, but that said, I'm sure there were lots of <coughs> non-binary, two-spirit, <laughs> empty rooms uh, centuries ago, pushing for an end to gun violence. <laughs> Carter, you with your with your your heteronormative white cis patriarchy hate facts. I don't know. I right. <laughs> oh, Harvard boy. <sighs> okay, thanks. I I, I, to... I I love it. It by the way. David, when I tell parents not to worry about sending their kids to college, he's my new argument. Like, David Hogg. <laughs> David Hogg. Harvard. David Hogg goes to Harvard. <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, what more proof do you need that college is worthless? Um, Laura Kirkpatrick says we should say, okay, Harvard, instead of okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to start calling him Harvard and being like, okay, Harvard. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Um, by the way, <clears throat> I got yelled at for bringing this up earlier without treating it with, uh, the gravitas and care that it deserved, <clears throat> but I'm going to do it again, uh, because Laura, or sorry, Lindsay Peterson brought it up in chat. <clears throat> Someday we will talk about, uh, differences in, in population, uh, IQ and populations. Um, it is a thing. Uh, they, this has been, it's not actually very controversial among people who research such things. It's just one of these sacred cows you're not supposed to say. Um, and 
That doesn't mean, I mean, the variance in any population's IQ is large enough that you can't say anything about any individual about what their IQ will be by, by, by knowing anything about their race or, or country of origin or gender or anything like that. You don't know because the variance is so high. But um, yeah, there are differences, right? Um, and those differences do matter. And uh, it doesn't mean they're not, they don't matter from a moral perspective, but they do matter from like a, gee, why is this society doing that? And that society is doing that. And why don't the things that we do over here apply to this section of the world here? And why are these people not doing as well in these areas, but better in these areas? Like that, they, they totally could matter. The, the truth about IQ is we don't know enough about it. And this, the red flag again is you're not allowed to ask. So if you cared about helping people, you would ask so that you could figure out, is there any way to change the course of how things work out genetically or behaviorally? Um, you know, can you affect the environment? Can the environment affect how much genetics, how much, what can you do? What's important? Is, does IQ matter really a lot? Or is it only a part of the equation? Like all these questions would need to be asked if you cared about people and the success of people around the world and people meeting their potential and doing the best that they could. But we're not allowed to ask any of those questions because people who don't, have never read anything about it, who don't know a lick about any of the research, have determined there is no correlation between genetics and IQ. Why? Because that's my religion. That's just not true. And I, I'm just going to throw it out there. We don't have to have a big IQ discussion, but Lindsay brought it out and someone else brought it up in chat and someone else mentioned, yes, Molyneux was uh, a pariah for having brought it up. Yeah. Uh, um, well, and I'll add a point because Low Res Boy makes a great point in chat, which is that good society. For some reason, we attach um, a value judgment to IQ that we don't attach to like your talent Height. at basketball or, or your height or whatever. Right. Right. So, um, but he was saying, you know, good societies need a wide spectrum of intellect. Um, for example, and then he says, I would choose a productive average thinker over a lazy suicidal genius. Any day. You know what I mean? Like there, there are, it oh, doesn't yeah. just because someone is, um, an outlier, like really high on the IQ scale doesn't mean that they're, um, a better contributor to society than someone who's, like your daughter, when she insults you, calls you average. <laughs> right. Oh, that was slightly right. above average. No, you know, it doesn't. Uh, yeah. So it's so for some, I think that's part of the reason why um, it's one of the topics you're not supposed, we're not supposed to talk about is because, is because there's like an implied value judgment there. Um, yeah, and, I think you're right. It, it is because there's some implied uh, value judgment. And um, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, it, it's, no one should actually take pride in their IQ if it's high or be ashamed it, of it if it's low. It's not in your control, largely. Like, it's not. Right, right. It's, it's like It's the engine tall. of the car that you were given. So whatever. It's what you do with it, right? Like, um, and, you know, I would gladly give up a few IQ points if my psychology was better. Like, psychology also matters for your success in life. And, like, a lot of my stumbling back blocks in in my life have been... Not that I wasn't smart enough to figure something out, but I have like other psychological issues and like trauma and whatever. And like, I'm in my own way. And and so psychology is a big component. And I would gladly give up some IQ for better psychology. I just don't have the choice. Uh, and I'm not saying that I have extra IQ to give up, but, you know, but my point is, 
Like, it's not the end-all, be-all, and there's certainly nothing moral about it. You don't get any level, you're not superior. If you're if you're sitting in chat with a 190 IQ, you're not better than anyone else. You just probably have a better vocabulary or something, I don't know. Um, but it doesn't mean you're better, and it doesn't mean you're more, you contribute more to society. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, someday we'll do, uh, I want to read more about that. Just like climate change, I don't know enough about it to talk about it right now, so... Um, I, I do know one thing. Someone mentioned EQ enters into things. I just want to point out EQ is a, um, not scientific. It was uh, EQ was a term invented by, I think it was actually a social scientist, but it, it was not not actually like cognitive scientists. It, EQ was was invented in order to make, uh, it, it basically in in order to. Um, appease people who are pissed off about IQ research. <laughs> like, oh, no, there's this other thing called EQ. Uh, I, my understanding is EQ actually is not scientific at all. What is scientific personality-wise is the big five personality uh, categorization. And those do matter, and they do correlate to success, as does IQ. Um, and you know, <clears throat> Sounds like something that, that somebody with low EQ would say. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I, I may not. Um, I, may have low EQ. I probably have low EQ. I think you have low EQ if you disagree with lo leftists. <clears throat> that's the that's the rule. Uh, anyway, okay. That's, speaking that was, of did that all IQ, come from Katie Hopkins? Are we done with her now? Is that good? Speaking of IQ, uh, uh, there's something in the news this week that we didn't touch on that um, uh, Omara in chat brought to my attention again. I think we kind of talked about this when they first started pushing it through, but now they they're taking steps to do it in Seattle. They are dismantling the gifted program. Yes. In public schools, which I just I can't believe. It, again, I know we've we've talked about this short story before, Harrison Bergeron. If you guys haven't seen it or haven't read it, you should Google it. It's a really short story, um, and and you can it's uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut, and and in the story, it's it's basically. It's basically a story about equity. It's a story of a post—not post-apocalyptic, but it's a story of a dystopian future, where um, it's—I—I I, I kind of view it as one of these possible SJW utopia, like what they would want to happen. And so, it's like, everybody, it's, except for that, it's ridiculous. But it's yes. ridiculous. But it's over the top to show you this is what they're—they would do if they could. This is what they—they're totally. headed towards. So in the story. You know, anybody who's got any talent in any area, whether it's um, music or sports or dance or IQ, um, they are handicapped by the government so that everyone can be equal. It's all about equity, equality of outcome, right? And so uh, the one of the characters in the story, he's pretty smart. And so the handicap for him is he has to wear this device that basically alarms in his ear all the times to disrupt his thoughts. And, um, and so that's what I, I obviously I thought of the, the story again when reading this, because it, it just seems like, um, like we said, they've put some kind of value judgment on IQ and therefore children who are, who have, who have, uh, 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 higher test scores or who, who have a higher IQ or who are gifted academically, are now being punished so that everybody can have like that. So we can feel like we're all equal. Right. Academically. It's just, I don't, I think it's disgusting. But well, that's the, this is the dirty secret of um, equality is you can't make everyone equal by bringing the 
people who are sub subpar at something and i'll just it doesn't i'm not making a moral judgment like i'm shorter than average like you can't make me taller but you can you know you can cut off a basketball player's legs below the knees and make us the same height and like that works so yeah. like you can't make people smarter but you can make them dumber um so like we under like kind of related to the IQ thing, but but we know how to lower IQ. We don't know how to raise it very well at all, but we certainly know things that can lower it. Um, and so Harrison Bergeron is this, like, it's this recognition that if everyone's going to be equal, the only way to a- achieve that is to take uh, people who are good at something and bring them down to the level of everyone else. Yeah. Um, and as I've said before, we're all equal when we're in the mass graves that the commies have dug in for the- us. In or the made us dig probably while we're while they're aiming guns at us. So Marianne says Carter has legs. <laughs> no, Marianne, I do not. That's why I'm so short. Um, but otherwise, I would be a towering giant if I had legs. Uh, you didn't. You didn't see this because you were furiously trying to fix our tech problems at the beginning. But yeah. somebody in the chat, I forget who, everybody was telling jokes and kind of um, passing the time, and somebody made the joke that. You, you're a Russian bot. Nobody's ever actually seen you in real life. Although I've seen you in real life. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Russian bot, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to be, I'd love to be paid. If Putin was paying us, <laughs> I might take it. Anyway, um, yeah. Okay, so that was one. That was one thing I saw that I just wanted to hit on because, again, so much of the stuff that the that we see happening in the continued culture war that we talk about the the direction that things are going and and the things that i think are really important that we should be paying attention to not the distraction of the circus not the like the impeachment thing is today who cares like (laughs) just like it doesn't matter um but the to me i don't i mean i just don't i don't think that's the real i don't think you're living in reality if that's what what your your main focus um, the stuff that we should be focused on, so much of it is happening in the schools right now. Yeah. Um, and it's been happening in the schools for a long time. You know what this makes me think of, Carrie? Mm-hmm. You know the marshmallow test that uh, I forget what psychologist did this with uh, young kids. Do you Have you heard of the marshmallow test? I don't think so, no. It doesn't sound familiar yet. I don't know why everything's related to IQ, but this is, I think, also correlated to, to IQ. But... Um, there's an age at which kids um, have a very difficult time uh, delaying gratification. And so um, <clears throat> you take a kid and you put him in a room and you give him a marshmallow. And you say, you can eat the marshmallow now, but I'm going to leave the room and I'm going to come back in 15 minutes. And if you haven't eaten the marshmallow, I'll give you two marshmallows. Um, and there's a there's an age at which kids just always eat the marshmallow i think or it's just like <laughs> there's no concept of like two later is better than right uh, 15 minutes is like eternity um a bird but, in the hand huh <laughs> a bird in the hand right but as they um as they get older and uh, and I, that's where i think this actually is i think i remember reading it is correlated to iq um as they get older they're more willing to delay gratification um and they and they won't eat the marshmallow and they'll wait because they want the reward of two marshmallows um, and I, we are not in a culture which is really, we, like, as a culture, we fail the marshmallow test, like, every day, right? Um, the, the real, where the root of all of these problems is, is 
I mean, ultimately, philosophy, but how they're manifest is in schools. It's in the education system, and it has been for decades and decades and decades. And um, But, you know, we're too busy getting, you know, we're more excited about whichever politician is running or the latest scandal or who the hell some Kardashian is having sex with. And, and like, we're, we're busy focused on stuff. Even people who think they're focused on important stuff, it's always a level removed, almost always a level removed from where the actual uh, change is taking place. And that actual yes. change is in the minds of children. Yes. That's where it's taking place. Yeah. That's why all the all the political stuff that we, – we are not a politics show. And I've said that before because sometimes people tune in and I've had first-time viewers say stuff to me about, oh, yeah, you talk about politics. It's like, well, we do occasionally because it's downstream from culture, but this is a culture show. This is not a show about like – well, today and today in impeachment, <laughs> right? That's like, that's hard to do that kind of a show. Yeah, Be- because um, I kind of don't care. Like, even yeah. if it was, even if it was actually super important politically, in the end, this is actually why I didn't vote for a really long time. The politics is irrelevant. Like that time is better spent worrying about what kind of crap they're pushing on kindergartners in public schools, because. Those kindergartners are going to grow up and run things, and yeah, they're being indoctrinated. They've been being indoctrinated for your entire – anyone watching this show who's alive, your entire life this has been happening. Your entire life. It doesn't matter how old you are. This has been happening. Well, here okay, we are. So, so speaking of what happens when you indoctrinate kids into this, uh, I have another headline, if you don't mind, I wanted to read. Uh, this is from – the Daily Texan. So here, uh, I live pretty close to Austin, um, and this is the the student. This is the University of uh, Texas at Austin paper. Yep. Uh, there's a great if you're in the area or if you went to UT Austin. There's a great Facebook page um, run by a guy named Mark Pullum. I think is his name. the uh, The group is called Stop the Insanity at UT, and he's he just does a great job of keeping track of everything. I would say. If I were to describe his group or his page, it's like keeping track of everything SJW at UT Austin. Um, And so uh, anyway, this is from the Daily Texan. It says the headline is Senate legislation advocates for professors pronouns on syllabi. And then there's a picture from the student student Senate. Um, So this is about the students. They basically they're talking about how they would like their tuition money to be allocated. Uh, assembly members voted on a bill to amend the Senate spending and resolution to change class syllabi requirements. Both pieces of legislation introduced at the meeting passed unanimously. Okay, so one of the things that's on there is uh, um, Academic Policy Committee co-chair Isaac James co-authored a resolution in support of professors including their pronouns on class syllabi. This is what they're spending their time on. These are what these kids have been taught is important. Um, it goes on. He said, James, a plan to in government sophomore said he worked with the education policy committee from faculty council. So he's working with the faculty to write the resolution. He also worked with the Texas queer and trans student Alliance. Of course you did James. Um, last semester, James passed a separate resolution which mapped out all of the gender-inclusive restrooms on campus. I don't know why this, <laughs> this sounds like a comedy sketch to me. <laughs> it's totally real. This, of course he did. Of course he did. Like, I could, you could write this character, right? Um, so it says, 
here's a quote from James. Right now on the recommended UT syllabus template, there's a place for pronouns, but I have yet to see a single professor use it. It's so so there's a place for pronouns already and it's up to them. It's optional. And you just voted to force them to put their pronouns on there. Like I, I can't even, I, I hate that phrase. They use that all the time. SJW say that I can't even, but I, I can't, it's hard for me. It, it kind of leaves me speechless. The fact that you don't, you don't hear yourself, James, you don't hear that you're trying to force and compel language from people. Like that's what you're doing at the end of the day. It's not enough that it's optional. It's not enough that there's already a place on the form where if they if they are into your silly ideology, they can say she, her or whatever. But but now you want to force them to do that. Um, and so he says it's something super easy that can make educational spaces a lot more inclusive. The aim of the legislation is to encourage professors to do that. OK, so I just How wanted does to make read it that more inclusive. Uh, never mind. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's the word they use. Um, this is this reminds me of that C.S. Lewis quote that we talk about a lot about the the tyranny of somebody who like the benevolent tyrant who thinks that he's tyrannizing you for your own good. That they use words like inclusivity to push forward these tyrannical authoritarian dictates. This legisl any type of legislation that's forcing you to do something, and they're doing it under the banner of benevolence you know i think most tyrants are are benevolent tyrants in that respect in the sense of like they view themselves as benevolent tyrants yeah um probably it's you know maybe huh yeah maybe i mean it's like the hollywood evil guy who's like yes i know i'm evil <laughs> right but like mostly they they're just people who think that they're you know well we have to you know, we have to kill a bunch of Ukrainians and let them starve because the Soviet Union is very important in communism. I, it's it's for the public good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot, I think most of them are that way. Um, yeah. I don't know. They're definitely authoritarian, though. Um, but, that, you know, Carrie, the, the scary thing to me is, getting back to the kids a, a little bit, is, uh, so the good news is actually very few the small percentage of the population is this crazy, right? Like, I think most normies aren't this insane. And you'll see that, um, I think you'll see that in the presidential election. I think <clears throat> all of this virtue signaling social justice crap is not going to land well with the, with the population. Uh, it The media loves it because um, the media is in control, but <clears throat> I don't think it's going to sit well with the population at large. It's just going to, it's something that most people, are, there's a lot of vocal people about uh, that are all about it. But the thing is, those people are also in charge of education. And so it may be a small percentage of people now, but if we're not actually taking back the academic institutions and all we're doing is pushing back at the political level, uh, we're, we're winning a battle and losing the war. Yes, that's exactly, I mean, that gets to the heart of what we were talking about, that this is about culture, not politics. So if the political battles are being won, but nothing's happened with culture, you're exactly right. You're winning a battle and losing a war. Because, look, my generation, I was indoctrinated 20 years ago. And my peers have gone out and they have indoctrinated the 20-year-old. They have indoctrinated the girls I was talking to at the coffee shop the other day. They right. they are they are working in media, uh, social media companies. They are working um, in academia. They're working at Harvard Medical School to indoctrinate uh, medical students. 
And your peers are in power now because yes. 20 years ago, they were just college students being fed a pile of crap, but now they're in power. Yeah. And now they're spreading that pile of crap. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to remain in power for another 20, 30 years, depending on when they die. Um, they're going to remain in power for a while uh, in these institutions. And I don't know. It, it, it seems like it, it seems like the only vigilant people are evil people. I never understand why that is. It's like good people never seem to be vigilant, vigilant about anything. They're like, ah, everything will be fine. Like we're not bad people. And like, let's just let them, I'm sure everyone else is fine. And like the evil people are, <laughs> are like, we're going to indoctrinate the children of children and in a hundred years we'll take over. It's like, why are why are they the only people with good long-term planning ability? Maybe it's a matter of projection. Maybe the people who are mostly living in their in their best living as their best selves just assume everyone else is too, and so they're not. They don't feel the like they don't feel like the house is on fire because they're just sort of like, well, everyone's pretty much kind of like me, right? And then, but the the people who are living as versions of the their worst selves probably. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, but maybe because they know how evil they are in their dark little hearts. <laughs> <laughs> they assume everyone else is. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I uh I'm always I've always been bothered by like by people who are like, "Oh, it's not that bad. You're making a mountain out of molehill with stuff." And it's like, "You know what? Yeah. Don't be dumb. It is that bad." Like, you're just that bad. you're just not you're failing the marshmallow test. Is what you're doing. When you say that, you're failing I like if you picked up a marxist from let's say the a 1930s Marxist, and you plunked them down in, in the U.S. today, they would look around and be like, we effing won. This is awesome. Like, victory is inevitable. We won. They won. They won the culture war. They won. Um, and, and the whole time, everyone was sitting around going, you know, McCarthyism, you're crazy for calling them commies. You're just being hyperbolic. It's not like it's not a problem. They don't want to destroy the West. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know how to convince people that ideas matter. Philosophy matters. Teaching kids crap matters. And in 50 years, you end up with literal authoritarians running the country. Like, how does that not make sense to people? I don't get it. No, I I agree. I have very little patience these days. I'm trying to have more, but I I, I find myself uh, frequently having little patience for people who. Okay, let me make a distinction. People who don't know what's going on yet because they're busy, and the people we call normies, you know, they're working, uh, they have kids to raise, they just haven't been aware of this creep. I don't. I don't. I have, I have all the patience in the world for them because they don't, they're busy and they haven't been aware of what's happening. The category of people that I have very little patience for are the ones who are aware, but then try and downplay it. That's more those what I'm talking ones. about. Yeah. Those are the ones like my friend who we talked about in the, who's obsessed with the way that SJW ideology has affected the film world. But then, because he, because his thing is all about movies. He loves movies and he loves award shows and right. he hates the way that it's right. But then, when you want to talk about, does he live in his mom's basement? Because he seems. I don't, I, don't I don't know. But then, when you want to talk about it in schools, like something that's much more has has the 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 implications are just very far reaching and very dangerous. 
um, he wants to downplay it and say like, you know, you're making a big deal out of this. Like, what are you talking about? This is, it's not just your little movies that are being impacted. It's much bigger. That That's the kind of person I have very little patience with these days because they know what it is. They're aware of it in however it, imp- it's, it's like, they're only aware of it. That type of person I think is like, maybe I'm only aware of it because it impacts something I like and I'm only going to look here. And it's like, no, it's much bigger you know, than that. And it's much more important than that, than how it affects your award shows. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to admit that I'm in a curmudgeon mood today. So I like, I, I apologize for already being in a curmudgeon mood, probably the way the show started. But um, I, uh, the caveat I'll say to that. So like, yes, it bothers me more when people are shown that there's a problem and then they choose to belittle it or downplay mm-hmm. it. And like, oh, it's, it's not a big deal. Specifically, what bothers me about it is when they're shown that there's a philosophical problem because people view philosophy as like this abstract thing not related to reality. And so they're like, oh, that's just semantics. It's just, they're just calling it this and not that. It's not a big deal. And it's like if you if you pass the marshmallow test, you see 30, 40, 50 years down the road the implications of introducing corrupt philo- philosophical terms um, and, and getting people to th- like think – I won't say think the wrong way, but like – destroy their ability to reason and think right and so too too many people just i don't know if it's just too hard or whatever you you present it to them and they're like that's just a little thing i i don't care about it that really bothers me once they see it but even the people who don't pay attention i do have empathy for having your life and not caring about that stuff because you're busy with kids and a mortgage and like i get that I, i get empathy for it but you know something that um the guests that we interviewed yesterday that we haven't released yet carrie something that he said that struck me was um, he was calling them first principles, these first principles, these fundamental, uh, he was talking about fundamental enlightenment ideas like freedom of speech and and that kind of stuff, right? He was saying that these first principles need to be tended kind of like a garden and they they need active participation. And you kind of have a responsibility to be paying attention to, uh, these principles and how they're manifest around you in in the society around you and you're kind of shirking your responsibility i'm not saying like it's a you know you know throw you in jail kind of responsibility if you don't do it i'm just saying like you're kind of shirking your responsibility to (laughs) the progress of humanity and future generations by by being like yeah i'm too busy to paying attention to like what they're teaching my kids in preschool i'm sure it's fine like well Mm -hmm. they're your kids you had them and Someone's turning them into little NPCs that are going to go, you know, vote in some autocrat later. Like, you're kind of responsible for paying attention to what's going on. And a mortgage and busy life isn't really a great excuse in my book. Hmm. Uh, Well, I have a question for the chat just quickly. Uh, I didn't see the beginning of this, so I may have missed. Rib Rib Ruckut says uh, that... Blah, blah, blah. I've been getting the what gender do you identify as and what are your pronouns questions lately with intake staff in person. I don't know what your job is or what you mean with intake staff. But um, but then Rib goes on to say, next time my answer will be, quote, I will answer this question, but I want to give you feedback that I strongly disagree with woke postmodernist deconstruction of gender identity. I love, I love that. Awesome Pause. answer. Pause. <laughs> 
I am male. <laughs> <laughs> Notice like he said that. male, which is not their yeah. question. They asked about gender. So he answered sex, which is awesome. Which is awesome. Uh, yeah. Somebody was telling me, and I might get the details of this wrong because it's been a while, uh, but somebody I I knew work, who worked in law enforcement was telling me about how they had recently been coached on having to ask when they were bringing, I think it was like bringing in drunks or, you know, people charged with disorderly conduct in the middle of the night, like the, that they were having to ask their gender identity and that the answers were just re- hilarious because it's like, you know, a lot of drunk people are like, what? <laughs> like, like what are your pronouns huh <laughs> like it's like they're introducing yeah. yeah they're introducing the ideology at the drunk tank like <laughs> well it's important that the homeless population is woke yeah <laughs> so they anyway. i don't know so they only shit in the white neighborhoods i guess i don't know um that's just san francisco uh by the way carrie um related to my earlier rant did you see the CNN um, commentary on the coronavirus task force of Trump's? No, I did not. I'm going to show you my tweet, so it's a little self-aggrandizing. But here. Uh, here's, I'm going to read the tweet to everyone. Okay. Coronavirus task force, another example of Trump administration's lack of diversity. <laughs> so I just, you know, I, I, I wrote this in the tweet. I want to point this out. The next time I say that intersectional ideology is about the destruction of Western civilization, I want you to think about this. Uh, intersectional ideology is pissed that in an attempt to save you from a deadly pandemic, <laughs> he does not have the right color people on the task force. That's their focus. So um, that's that's all I really want to say about that. Which is weird because they they outright ignore the fact that he has a very racially diverse cabinet. Or I've I've seen some articles about how when he does have people who check off their the the boxes that this ideology should be happy about, right? Because that's what they claimed. That's what they claim to care about. They ignore it. They totally ignore it. But then they demand it when they see it absent. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tina Fisk says that uh, she's been trying to talk to people about this kind of stuff recently, and she feels like Yuri Bresmanov or Solzhenitsyn. I mean, yeah, Yuri was awesome, right? Yuri in the 80s, we, we talked about him previously, but he explained pretty clearly the KGB's strategy for uh, taking over the culture. Um, and I don't know, I guess we just all were busy. I don't know, we, we went... We wanted to watch Donahue and Oprah instead and go to the movies and not care. So so we didn't care. And um, now universities are basically run by a cabal of evil Marxists. And uh, fortunately, it's only David Hogg's types who are going to universities soon. So. <laughs> okay, Harvard. If, Harvard. if Harvard only lets David Hogg in, we have nothing to fear from the, the quote, intellectual elite. <laughs> uh, okay, so what else? What I've been going through some of the stuff on my list. What did you have on your list? Uh, I have some stuff that I just kind of just pisses me off locally, but I kind of just want to share with people because okay. um, so I'm in the Bay Area, and obviously we're more woke than everyone else um we're better we're just way more woke and uh so what we do 
is um, we make sure that our latest thing in actually in the city of Oakland, you are not allowed to do criminal background checks for prospective renters. So if you have a building you want to rent out, you want to rent out an apartment, you're not allowed to know if you're renting it to a criminal. Wow. Um, because wow. that is that is just, uh, I don't know, anti-woke. <clears throat> that is, you can't destroy Western civilization if you're not given housing to criminals. So, so there we go. So that was happening. <clears throat> also in Oakland, uh, let's see, let me pull up this one. This was, uh, actually, I can just talk about this one. This one's a little bit weird. There was a, there's a group called Wedgwood, and they buy homes and flip them. And I don't know, they have a couple hundred homes in the Bay Area or something. I don't know. Uh, and, um, you know, this is a thing people put their hard-earned money into, buy the home, uh, use it as an asset. Real estate's an asset, obviously, and they uh, they buy them in, in neighborhoods they think will maybe <clears throat> go up in value, and they flip them. Well, late last year, there was a home in Oakland that was owned by this <clears throat> Wedgwood company, and I guess they hadn't flipped it yet. It was still owned. I don't know if they were working on it or doing work, but it doesn't matter. <clears throat> A group of four angry Oakland, I think, single moms. So the backbone of society. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The backbone of society is trans black women. I, I forgot. I'm sorry, DNC. Uh, not It's not single moms. Um, anyway, these four single moms uh, squatted in the house. They just went in and took it over. And with not really with any shame. And they, they formed a group called Moms 4, the number four housing, because they're clever like that. Uh, they, they formed a group called Moms for Housing and got basically assumed the moral high ground about how this stupid company Wedgwood shouldn't have the house, and they should have the house instead. And they, uh, they were ordered to be evicted. I guess at one point they were evicted, but the the mayor of Oakland, I don't, I don't remember her name, um, she uh, supports them, supported them. Anyway, eventually, they basically strong-armed Wedgwood into selling them the house through some fund. So people contributed money because obviously the Bay Area is woke, and um, the company didn't want to sell the house, but the publicity was so bad, and they were getting like all this, these problems. They were kind of forced to sell the house at less value than they should have. And so basically, these people kind of just stole the lunch money of the Wedge. They just kind of took it. Um, and uh, this is what, if you want to think about what social justice is, that's what social justice is. Social justice is taking stuff from other people. The end. Yeah. Sometimes people, uh, I won't go into details here, but I have a friend who is... If, fully a believer in the SJW ideology, but someone who is, we're still good friends. Um, we have a mutual respect and I would say love for each other. Carter and I have talked about this before. He doesn't understand, <laughs> but, um, he disagrees or disagrees, but, uh, this person, uh, was, was touched by something like this recently where had like a family member who had some property and the Bay Area, and then was, uh, I, I'm getting the details wrong, so I won't even go into it, but this person who subscribes to SJW ideology suddenly found themselves on the receiving end of SJW protests, 
and got treated, you know, as they eat their own, got treated to the same thing that probably in any other case, this person may have may have been on that side with the pick, you know, with the right. with the protest signs. And so sometimes you have to be, um, it's almost like the, the mob has to c- come after you for you to wake up to some of this stuff. Sometimes it's not enough to see it happening to other people. I guess for some people it has to happen to you directly, right? Like to kind of wake you up a little bit. I don't think that's an admirable bit. trait. No, I'm just saying, um, it's like, not well, they came for the Jews, but I was fine. Until they put me on a train, I'm not going right. to protest. It's like, oh, all right, well, you're not the greatest person. Learning the hard way, yeah. It's not even learning the hard way. It's having zero empathy for other people. It's like, it's kind of a narcissist move to be like, yeah. oh, now that I'm attacked, I see there's a problem with it. It's like, yeah, kind of, I just want to say F you at that point. I get well, that, that I shouldn't, and we should welcome people in when they switch sides, blah, blah, blah. But right. kind of F you. <laughs> right you are in a curmudgeon mood today you're you're extra salty dorothy today i'm, I'm sorry i said i wasn't going to mention the golden girls uh, no but right i mean i don't know maybe people in chat would disagree with me i think people have so some people agree with me on this you can't it, it's just it's just a it's a douche move to be like i supported the pitchforks and torches going after every single other person. But when they came after me, suddenly I've seen the light. It's a bad idea. It's like, I, you know, I kind of wish that they would just go after you and win. And like, you, you've like, you've, you forfeit your right to be part of the good crowd. Hmm. Well, Carrie doesn't like that. That's fine. No, I just, yeah, I just, I think everybody has a, I, I don't care what your what the moment is that helps you wake you up. I'm just happy you're awake. Uh, it's like that line, uh, you know. Oh gosh, what is that in that song about being late to the party? You know, I'm just happy you arrived. Yeah. You know. I'm I'm pissed about all the damage you did on the way, not arriving. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Carrie would be like. Carrie would literally be like. Hitler could be like, well, at the very end, oh, oh, they're going to shoot me? I'm sorry. This whole Nazism thing's a bad idea. And Carrie would be like, come on over. You're on our side now. Woohoo. <laughs> hey, that's not really fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's about having empathy. Yes, yeah, like Jane Chapman says, empathy for people. And, you know, whatever wakes them up, it could, it, for some people, it has to happen to them for them to understand it because you know i don't i don't know why i don't know why it's different with different yeah but people. i mean the thing the thing that i don't like about people just using the word empathy is like people only ever use the word empathy to apply the to the group that they're thinking of at the time without understanding the empathy for other people like you can be like well how could you not have empathy for the person who finally figures out that it's a bad idea and like they're being attacked i do have empathy for them but more i have empathy for all the people they tortured over the past 20 years and that's yeah. like other people yeah. should see that you don't get away with that. You don't get away with torturing other people and then just coming to the good side as soon as, you know, the pitchforks are on your front lawn. That's not how it works. You don't it, like you are you get held accountable for your behavior. And I don't know, in a, in a society where we have freedom, we also need to take responsibility for our actions. You're responsible for what you do. I agree. I do agree. You are you are responsible for what you do. Anyway. Um, OK. I'm going to have to go soon because I've got to go to work. 
Do you want to talk fine. about it? Any- I'm in like a totally curmudgeon mood, so I don't even know that this is a very productive broadcast right now. I'm just like, <laughs> ah, Carter, angry guy. Like, I don't what know what else it is. Do you, what else do you hate, Carter? <laughs> what, what else do I hate? You know what? Here's the thing. All this comes from the... Honestly, all this comes from empathy. I love humans qua humans humans should be left alone they should be free to live their lives they should be free to interact with each other voluntarily and i'm really angry at anyone who wants to stick their nose in and bully people around or throw their authoritarian policies around and force people to do things they don't want to do humans are amazing and they have a right to life they have a right to their own property they have a right to their own freedom of expression that's where this is coming from it's not it's not anger out of nowhere it's like i know I'm I'm angry that so many humans are so oppressed by so many elitist snobs and their army of NPCs. That's what I'm angry about. Yeah. Also, in other news. Uh... <laughs> well, and in, in impeachment news, and impeachment news today. <laughs> I, I don't have impeachment news, but I do have a Cory Booker. Cory Booker said, so did you hear about this uh, Supreme Court decision? I think it was last week about um, immigration. Did you hear this? No, what do you say? The left is very pissed off about this. Um, and uh, I'm just going to quote Cory Booker because he's uh, archetypal of the sentiment. If our laws reflect our values, then what does this say about us? This decision from SCOTUS is heartless and xenophobic. So the decision, the five to four rule, um, Trump tried to start enforcing, and I, maybe he added some policy, but whatever, he started enforcing this idea that you can't get uh, U.S. citizenship slash green card um, if you've been using welfare, basically. Like, oh, if you're a resource suck on our economy, you don't get to be here legally. And apparently that's xenophobic and racist and horrible. <laughs> um, and uh, CNN had this article about this all about they they talked about you remember remember when someone some lefty uh like rewrote the give us your tired your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free and they rewrote it to be like only the people who can stand on their two feet their own two oh, feet yeah, they were yeah. kind of mocking the the right look statue of liberty um we the statue of liberty that was written in the late 1800s there was no welfare state there was not a huge safety net welfare state the people that were tired and poor they did have to stand on their own two feet and i think roughly a third of them went back because they couldn't having a country and saying like we're not you know this isn't one giant welfare office come and contribute but like i the idea that you have to be able to not suck the teat of the taxpayer in order to be here is is not xenophobic in fact it's kind of, I don't know, racist and xenophobic to think that people can't possibly make it on their own if we don't give them checks. So how dare you? Like, oh, we won't have immigration now if we don't pay them. No, we will have. We'll have smart, productive people. We'll immigrate here, which is what we want. Right. Why am I yelling today? I don't know, but it's it's fire. <laughs> like people in the chat said, it's fire. And I agree. I like it. I don't it's know what's good. going on. I'm sorry. It's good. No, you're on a tear. It's good. This is why we need a person to help us edit because they could go in and just take your little fire rants and then we'd put them up like <laughs> Carter's fire rant. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, you know what, Carrie? I don't know what else to say about all this. I just, I think it's a great, I mean, I, I often hate the Supreme Court. Um, and just to remind everyone at the end of the day, I am a voluntarist, which means I don't actually want a country at the end of the day, but I'm not advocating for that. Now, right now, I want a country. I want a 
country whose government gets smaller and smaller and preserves, or at least attempts to preserve people's freedom as we march towards a more libertarian society. That's what I want. And so uh, in this case, I think it's a good decision by the Supreme Court. If you're going to have borders, if you want a country and you're going to have borders, you need to control who comes into the country. Like, I don't, this is not rocket science. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. I like your fire. What we need are more people speaking with this kind of fire and passion about stuff like this, because they, the SJWs like Cory Booker think they've cornered the market on uh, compassion and like they just throw out words. They throw out words um, like xenophobic or racist, and then they think that's enough for you to look at them and say, well, that must be the compassionate position there. And that, if you that come, really pisses me off. Yeah. 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 And so, but if you come back against it with your kind of fire and passion and compassion, then I think it's harder for them to pretend like that, that those words by themselves are enough, that the word racist by itself is enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, part of the, part of the cathedral's job over the past several decades is convincing the public that, um, that the left is where the heart is. Um, that's where like the empathy is, the empathy and compassion, those are leftist qualities. And leftists are not about compassion. Leftists are whiny little kids <laughs> who fail the marshmallow test and have no compassion for anything that's not directly in front of them. They have no ability to like, zero ability to project into the future and have any kind of compassion for the people who are gonna eventually end up being thrown into the gulag, zero. <laughs> All they have is compassion for like, the, the blue-haired non-binary person in their math class or whatever, like, that's it. That's their, their compassion ends right there. And, it, and it's only, and it's the compassion for the most trite things, right? We have, we, I have empathy for someone's feelings getting hurt. Yeah, well, jerk, I have empathy for someone getting thrown in jail for wrong think. How's that? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I hate this, the- I hate this, like, and there was an old phrase that was like, if you're not liberal when you're 20, you have no heart. And if you're not conservative when you're 50, you have no head or 40 or something. Do you remember that phrase? Yeah, I do. That phrase is bullshit. Liberals don't Why? have a heart. They they are all, they're all about, I mean, I don't say they don't have a heart. I'm, they I'm being do hyperbolic have a heart. here, right? Okay. Yeah, but I, they do have a heart. Liberals are not, they don't have monopoly on on That's empathy. True. They don't have a monopoly on compassion. What they have a monopoly on is a failure to project anything in the future at all. That's what they have a monopoly on. The left, not liberals, not classical liberals. Uh, for those of you who haven't read it, and I've, I definitely want to do it in book club at some point, um, the Jonathan Haidt's book on, we've mentioned it a lot, but The Righteous Mind, where he talks about the different types of morality. That book is so useful and helpful. And you just made me think of it, Carter, because... Um, in reading it, I felt like, oh, this is this is a great and uh, way of explaining to people on the left how to put their arguments in in how to phrase them in a way that will help the right understand and vice versa. And so, because the left puts so much stuff in their definition, they they're uh, they do try to claim the market on morality. And they have, once you figure out what their channel, what he calls the channels of morality are, or their taste buds, he compares it to taste buds. Once you figure out what yep. type of morality they respond to, then you can talk to them better because you can um, you can put it into that language. You can use that moral language. So, for example, um, liberals and conservatives both care about the care harm principle, right? 
So if you can if you can put your argument in the frame of the care harm principle, then it's easier for a liberal to uh, understand what you're saying and also maybe empathize with you or even come to agree with you. Um, but anyway, that's a, that. I think of that book all the time. It is so good. It's so helpful. It is super helpful. And someone was asking on Twitter the other day. I, it wasn't. They weren't asking me. They were asking someone else. But I chimed in um, as I'm wont to do. But someone was asking, like, how do you convince someone who's on the left to, like, look at this from another perspective? And as much as people in chat like my ranting, that's not the way to get people on the left. It's too uh, it's too disconnected from where they are. You can't, you know, you don't just unplug Neo from the Matrix and, you know, be like, here you go. Like, you, you've got to lead them there. And Jonathan Haidt's books are, you know, I, I think those two books, Coddling of the American Mind and Righteous Mind, are two really great stepping stones they're really great bridges from someone who is on the left um views themselves as uh kind of righteous and um on the the morally good path being on the left doesn't understand conservatives um or doesn't understand uh non i'll say non-left uh i think they do a great job i think those books are that's probably where i would point anyone first i don't think they're the best at philosophically making arguments against the left, but no, they are the best. No, at, they're not. At they just teach you how to better understand. Yeah. Uh, the the ways that someone who completely disagrees with you, the way that they can view morality, and how it's just. I think it's especially helpful for people on the left to read it because the people on the left tend to be the ones who, and I say this as someone on the left. Um, this that is it a Charles? Who's the guy that passed away? Charles. Krakheimer, Krakheimer. I'm a, I'm exposing my ignorance. Nah, but you're exposing he, uh, my ignorance. I don't know. Well, he he's the one who I think coined the phrase something about how um, people on the right, you know, think that people on the left are wrong, and people on the left think that people on the right are evil. <laughs> yes. And uh, and so and and there's some truth to that. And so I I think that uh, I think that book is especially helpful if you're on the left to helping you understand how people on the right, it helped me understand how people on the right could have, we can have the same goal and the same, um, uh, you know, it, uh, some similar type of moral uh, importance, things that are important to us morally, and just different ideas on how to get there. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I guess. <laughs> oh, somebody, you said, I guess. Crossheimer, somebody said. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Knit Fragility and Herman. Charles Crossheimer. You know, um, you said this a couple times where you have like the same goal but different ways to get there. I'm not I'm not 100% convinced by that. I'm not going to argue with you right now about it too much, but I'm not convinced that it's the same goal. I think, um, I think a lot of people don't have a clear goal in mind. They just, um, their goal is really more to avoid criticism and to feel good morally in the moment um amongst their friends not really to think long term and they may talk about uh some like policies and what they might do long term but they usually just parrot what some experts have said that are on their side like they're not really thinking about what society they want to 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 build um i don't think i think it's actually very few people who have a long-term goal of like this is kind of the ideal society and i and i I'm trying to get to a path to that society. And I don't think we're at the same, like my idea of society is not the same as if I, if I sit down and talk to like a leftist, 
their ideal society involves a large government with its its fingers and everything you do and my okay. ideal society involves no government okay here's what i mean by that let me give you an example there was an article i've mentioned this before but there was i think it was a huffington post article and the headline was something like uh you know you know listen trump voters or listen conservatives i don't know how to make you care about people that was like I'm paraphrasing, but that was the headline. Okay. And then this woman's whole piece was about how, um, she's tired of arguing with people on the right because she's, because what it really comes down to is that they don't care about people and that she's not going to be able to make them care about people. And that's what I mean is you're wrong lady. They do care about people. You, and, and they just have it. So she was giving examples. Like, and one of the examples she gave was minimum wage, right? You know, I don't know how to make you care about people making more money in, minim- in these minimum wage jobs. Like, look, hey, I don't know they- how to make her care about math, but there you go. Yeah, well, that's that's my point. Is so just take that. That's a great example. Um, you can talk to someone if you're on the right. You could talk to someone on the left, and vice versa. You could you could meet you could you could agree that you both care about people, and that's why you have the that's why you support the policy that you support. It took me a while to understand that. I used to support raising the minimum wage. Just because I was on, I was a liberal and I was told that's what you do if you care. You say, yeah, well, people need to be paid more. Well, it took me a while. I know this sounds idiotic, but it, it took me until I started listening to arguments on the right to understand, oh, they do care about people. That's why they're against raising the minimum wage, because they believe it's going to cause small businesses to fire people and have to cut hours and shut down and it's going to hurt people. Because they know math. It does, in fact, do those things. Right. But so I guess that's my point is uh, that woman, if I were to have a conversation with her, I'd be like, it is really arrogant of you to assume that because somebody doesn't agree with you about raising the minimum wage. I'm oh, sorry. OK, never mind. <laughs> did you just mute yourself because of Tiger? I did because he's. Hey, hey, hey. Shh, shh. <laughs> no, you're right. Okay. It, it's arrogant of her to assume that they don't care about people because they don't agree with her um, minimum wage uh thing i mean that's the thing though i it's uh to me one of the fundamental differences it's not it's not really right or left thinking it's people who um i i don't know how to say this without being like rude and condescending but it literally is a marshmallow test fail it's people who are like they're just like there's a problem government must solve with and like that's and and they only think about it in the super short term they're like People's wages are low. They must be made higher. And there's like no, the, the thought stops immediately after that. Zero thought after that. There's no like, how does that affect the dynamics? What does that do to teenagers who are trying to get jobs? What does it do long term? How does it affect business? Is it right? Are people Should people be allowed to negotiate their own wage? Or are we treating them like slaves? It's this whole, all of those questions are just not allowed to be asked. It's just, and it, it's, to me, it's why I call them state theists. They are, they are state theists. They're not, their God is their, is this, the state is their God. And the answer to everything is there ought to be a law. And that is the most moronic answer I could possibly think of. If that's your answer to things by default, you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, to bring it back to full circle, if we're going to close this out, to bring it back to one of the news pieces we talked about earlier, there ought to be a law to force you to put your pronouns <laughs> on a paper right there ought to be a law to force you to say your pronouns i can't believe i can't even believe that okay well maybe Um, we'll get some really interesting pronouns like uh i don't know 
great uh what's the what was the one dragon slayer or wait what was the one that we <laughs> we oh. talked to harrison what was his pronouns that he wanted to use oh i can't remember but yeah it was a good one it was a dragon one <laughs> yeah yeah sir dragon slayer yeah uh something um which isn't really a pronoun i think dr uh carlin earlier in chat said that her pronoun would just be professor which works <laughs> professor I like, though, that um, I hope you don't mind, uh, Carlin. I like calling you the good doctor. I, I, so people are developing nicknames. There's Nicole of the Mountain People and there's the good doctor. <laughs> there's a few. There's the hat guy. Who's the bad? Is there a bad doctor then? Is that is there a nemesis in chat? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe one will emerge. Um, OK, I have to go. I have to go to work. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you guys tuning in and, and especially this at the beginning for bearing with us during the technical problems um, and for the people who were telling jokes and keeping everyone entertained. Thank you. Uh, we're doing book club. Just again, a reminder, we're going to see you Sunday. If you, uh, if you want to be part of book club, it's going to be a live video discussion of uh, Fahrenheit 451. If you haven't read it, we've been told it's only on the audio audiobook version. It's only a five hour listen and that's at regular speed. You could speed it up to two times the speed. Yeah. So, it's super fast read. Yeah. So if you want to join us, it doesn't mean you can't cram it in before Sunday. So uh, if you want to be a part of the video discussion, email Carter at speak at unsafe space.com. And uh, otherwise we'll post the link and you can just join us in the chat here. Um, and uh, what else Carter? We, oh, if you want to support good. us, yeah, subscribestar.com if you want to support us financially, if you want to pledge a dollar a month or whatever amount you would like to pledge, or if you just want to give a one-time donation. We don't do Patreon. We do Subscribestar and just look for our unsafe space. We also, um, Kiara reminded me, we also do do Bitcoin and Ethereum, so you can go to unsafespace.com slash donate, and if you want to use the, use the magical cryptocurrency, that works too. Also, if you're subscribed to YouTube, uh, if you're subscribed to us on YouTube, Double check that you're still subscribed because sometimes your your corporate overlords know better and they know that you don't want to be subscribed. So go ahead and subscribe. It doesn't guarantee you'll see our videos, get any notifications or anything, but it increases the odds very slightly that you might be able to see our show. So I think that's it. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, Carter. Uh, <laughs> sorry again for the technical crap at the beginning. No, I loved it. And your fire was great at the end. Yeah, all right. Okay. Curmudgeon out. <laughs> Bye. Have a good weekend. <laughs>